This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to God is Gray, the podcast. Although I, as a Christian, believe that God resides in absolute truth, in black and white, We as people are stuck here on planet Earth contending with the gray. In church, gray areas often cause dissension, anger, and even hate. But on this platform, I welcome open dialogue, variety of opinion, and differing belief systems. God is Gray is meant to teach, inform, and simply trade stories with kindness, love, and mutual respect. If you have a story or perspective to share, please reach me, Brenda Marie Davies, at godisgrayxo at gmail.com. To support the cause and be a part of our community, donate to patreon.com slash goddessgray. Now, on to the episode. Hi, beautiful people. Today we have two exceptional guests. We are joined by Azariah Southworth and Daniel Franzese, hosts of the Yes Jesus Pod, which holds faith and LGBTQ affirming conversations every Sunday. Hello. Yes, Jesus. Yes. <laughs> Um, I am so excited to introduce all of you to these two wonderful people because we connected on Clubhouse randomly one night and I have just been loving the hell out of the Yes Jesus podcast because basically it's held like a church service properly on Sundays and I resonate so much with it because the terms that used to be triggering to me coming out of evangelicalism you kind of like start the show off at that way and it's kind of like refreshing to know that i'm in a safe space surrounded by love hearing these same terms which i'm now blanking on but it's like opening up with prayer how do you usually open it what's the standard i forget go for it danny (laughs) (laughs) big kings and queens and in between sinners saints and i don't know if i is or i ain't welcome to another episode of (laughs) we like to open um you know we open with uh the title of the show we sort of like kind of jump off that and then we have uh gay christian news stuff that's in the news that's current that is um, interesting to queer christians uh and then we go off to we have a praise and uh praise report and prayer request moment that's it (laughs) yeah yeah that's where we like either thank god for something or ask god for something with our audience you know who send in either voice recordings or emails and then we go into a scripture of the day, and that scripture leads us into uh, sort of our sermon or lesson plan, or just the meat and taters is what I like to call it. And that is a guide that is outlined by Ro- Deacon Ross Murray uh, from GLAD, who is the media trainer at GLAD, uh, but also happens to be a deacon. And he outlines that for us. And we go through, you know, uh, different kinds of things. Once a month, we have a baked Bible story where we smoke weed and kind of, and we call it Bible wonder. We like Bible. We don't Bible study. We we do Bible wondering. And um, so we kind of break apart some stories. We talk about a lot of, you know, uh, one of, I know Azariah agrees with me, like, uh, we come to feel like the Bible is a reflective text. 
Um, it's something that, you know, you look at for what it meant for people of then, what it means for people now, what it means for people of the future, but ultimately it's used as a mirror that can guide you. Like, if I look at a queer story in the Bible, like David and Jonathan, I believe is a gay story in the Bible. If I look at that story, I'm going to read it as gay. But if my dad reads it, he might think of it as a brother or a best friend and see it in a different way because it's all meant for each person's individual perspective. And I think that's a big problem with evangelism um, is that people normally hold the Bible up in the air and yell it at people as opposed to letting people look for themselves and find the stories. So there's a lot of queer and, and feminist and... Um, you know, even racial perspectives that have been erased or uh, or changed over the years or even mistranslated. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Even gender queer stories, you know, like the story of Joseph and the coat of many colors. That is, you know, really a story of being gender fluid because the very coat that Joseph was given was the Ketanah Paseem, which translates into princess dress. And the only other time it's referred to in the Bible is when it was given to a princess on the night of her wedding, you know, so... Okay, wait. So here we go. I at the top before we started recording, I wanted to I was just like, please tell me about the queer and gender queer Bible stories because I know that you have the scoop on these and I would love to just introduce the God is Great community to these stories that we have never heard about and I've never heard about and I'm excited to learn. Yeah, I mean, when you even go when you look at the story of Joseph, right? Um Part of the story is uh, when he is working in the field, or maybe when they are working in the field, and the brothers see this coat that Joseph's father gave them, and the brothers become jealous, but also, what if this was a princess dress? What if this was, you know, something that was effeminate um, by their standards of that day, and they you know, and then they beat him and they go to the father and say that he's dead, you know? Yeah, they often frame that story that everybody wanted that coat. Like They were like, oh, I'm jealous of the coat. Well, why mm -hmm. did it get ripped and covered in blood? You know, they were trying to attack Joseph because, you know, they're out working in the field and Joseph shows up in a rainbow dress. See, yeah. this is why it's so stunning when you realize it's actually really angering to me i have a lot of grace for for people and all of our humanity and the way that honestly god's word has been i don't even like calling god's word obviously but like the bible has been mistranslated and taught in a skewed fashion that was always really towards patriarchal ideals and the suppression of women the suppression of queer people so you're really blowing my mind because it's like yeah, what group of straight dudes is going to chase after a coat because they thought it was pretty? <laughs> right. But that is the story I was told. And I'm like, in what logical world would that Where a bunch happen? of field workers wanting <laughs> to get their hands on a rainbow dress. Yeah. So, yeah. So tell me more about that. Like, do we have actually, like, evidence-based theological sources that are like, yes, we're backing this up as a story of a genderqueer or someone that is expressing themselves in a more feminine way that was aggravating to his brothers. Well, there is the Book of Enoch, which I believe is in like, a, uh, not, not the Bible, but it's in a, like an almanac of the time, I believe. And it like, uh, that was talked to on our show uh, because in that book, Joseph is described as hairless and as sensitive, you know, and as um, Jacob's favorite. And so it was kind of like he had this soft, sensitive, you know, genderqueer child that he loved who, who um, ended up becoming later on a dream interpreter. So probably he was very like uh, empathetic and very sweet and very like thoughtful. Mm. And, it was, and, and so 
um, I don't believe Joseph worked in the field. I think his brothers did. And, you know, the dad asked him to go say, give him, give the brothers some message. And they're, you know, I, I, you can understand that from especially that kind of a primitive uh, mind thinking time, they're out there busting their ass in some field. And then here comes their long haired, That's like, what it is. you know, yeah. their long haired, like hairless, you know, uh, you know, JVN type, like, you know, <laughs> g- genderqueer brother that's like, hey guys, I wanted to tell you. And they're like, we're sick of this shit. And they're just like, you know, and uh, they ripped up the coat, uh, beat him up and sent him for slavery to the Egyptians. But then Joseph still rises, you know, like he rises and becomes like a, uh, they become a uh, dream interpreter for the king and, and end up all to, for the pharaoh and end up ultimately saving his whole entire family during a famine because he predicted the famine you know god showed it to him in a dream so it's kind of like uh, you know uh, do you remember who when we first were researching the story as there was that guy on youtube do you remember his name yeah peterson toscano peterson toscano does an amazing youtube video about this subject and in it he said something that really resonated with me where he said uh um not telling this perspective perspective on the bible is doing an injustice to the word oh yeah like i could like like not a priest or a pastor or whoever's telling the story not going some scholars say that joseph was genderqueer and it was a dress we don't believe that but some do you know and if that brings you comfort perhaps that's you know that's the way to tell that kind of a story even if it isn't your own personal belief it's to acknowledge the fact that these people not only existed in time but exist now and i think that for so many people they don't see themselves in the reflection of the Bible because they're not looking for the stories themselves. Mm-hmm. And that, uh, you know, story in particular was so eye-opening to me because I'm like, there's a possibility that Joseph was a trans person of color. Yeah. And mm-hmm. who, who doesn't need to hear the word right now in this world more than that? Mm-hmm. Like, and so to me, it's like, when you're, when, when it's like, give me your sick, give me your poor, when you're looking out there for like the people that are like needing the voice the most, you know, black trans women are our most uh, vulnerable in our society right now. And who needs to hear God's word and that God loves them and that, they, you know, no matter what, even if they got gay bashed and their dress was ripped and they were covered in blood and they were sold into slave or sex trafficking now or whatever it would be, that God still will help them rise as long as they have faith. Right. And There's, I, God saved a place at the table for you, even you, like for all of us. And that's, you're right, Danny, that's what they need to hear. And for me, you know, my favorite um, is uh, uh, the story of David and Jonathan. You know, David was this gorgeous, you know, um, Twinkie, like, uh, you know. <laughs> and you're, are you assuming he's gorgeous? Or does the text no, say they, that he's they, gorgeous? No, the text says that he was beautiful. It I mean, does? It okay. That, yeah, yeah. And he's always portrayed as such in um, art and literature and in, any, in anything. And David was young and he was, he was good looking and he was uh, uh, yeah, just a skinny little shepherd boy who worked in his uh father's restaurant um where all of the 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 soldiers and the fighters would eat and then here comes goliath who um how tall was he as he do you remember i don't like eight foot eight i think eight foot eight if i I remember my yeah something like that right a giant a giant right like an andre the giant like coming through and saying basically like you know we're gonna kill all of you unless you could defeat us if you could defeat us, we'll leave you alone. But if you can't, then you're all going to be our slaves. And everyone just kind of minding their own business and they're eating their whatever they're eating and like not, you know. And, and, and David's like, why isn't anybody challenging him? We're all going to die. Like, and grabs these stones and with the first shot, knocks Goliath out, becomes a hero. Becomes such a big hero. Now, during this time, in the period of time, we're, li- we're also talking about, it's like the time, you know, 
uh, right before uh, Homer and Iliad and everything, it's like they, they don't have TV and TikTok, you know, and all of the stuff that we have today. And it was almost like a TikTok song, though, where it gets stuck in your head, like, a, like they call it like a, a earworm. Um, you know, these people used to sing songs about the current things of the day. And they had this song, like, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but it was like, you know, David slayed the giant, you know, and they're like, and Saul just kind of like sat on his throne and watched, you know, something like that. So the king was angry. Because he was angered that, like, who's this guy that, like, I'm sitting on my throne and this guy's saving Israel? Like, what's going on, you know? And so he brings him there, and it says in the Bible, and listen, if you're gay, if you're gay <laughs> and if you're, especially if you're a gay man, I mean, it works for everybody, but if you're a gay man and you're listening to this, please do yourself a favor and get like Bastion in the Neverending Story, and grab an apple, and go up to the attic, and cover yourself in a cozy blanket, and read First Samuel, because that's what I did. I read this like it was the best thing I ever read, because this like it, this Bible that I'm reading this out of drove me to conversion therapy, and now I'm seeing a queer story in it, and the power that that held. So David walks in, and it says that as soon as Jonathan saw him, their souls were knit. Mm. and it goes on to tell this incredible story i mean we would need like two episodes for me to really get into it but it tells this incredible story of how they were canoodling and giggling all around like even if they weren't gay they were like those straight guys that fall all over each other and people go like that's a little gay like they just like they just like loved each other they were canoodling everywhere and it drove the king mad that his son was acting like this he even told them you're never going to be king hanging out with david Mm. which you know i had a, a, a homophobic uh cousin tell her daughter you're never going to meet a man hanging out with a guy like me and so that resonated with me what's he saying by that you know and so jonathan was in line to be king and uh but him and david were spending so much time together so the the king kept uh throwing javelins like th throwing like uh spears at uh david trying to kill him but he was so nimble he would move out of the way or whatever and then he would like play the harp for him and, and calm him down which is where uh in leonard cohen's song hallelujah it says uh, uh david played a chord and it pleased the lord and he's talking about the word hallelujah you know mm -hmm. and so um in this moment uh they're getting closer and closer and so the king keeps sending David out on these missions to go do things that he thinks are impossible uh, that might get him killed. That way he, can, he can't kill him because he's so loved. But he's like, if I send him out, you know, to these wars and stuff, he's going he's gonna to get killed. And one of the things he sends him out to do is to go get hundreds of foreskins. <laughs> like, what's gayer than that? Like, how many penises <laughs> do you have to touch to answer that, answer that mission? <laughs> it's it's a different form of ghosting. <laughs> Instead of showing up like for the hookup, you're like, I gotta take your foreskin. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's distressing. I'm stressed out. <laughs> Danny, you're. I can't hear you again. I said I got. To, uh, I'll let you live, but I'm leaving with your foreskin. <laughs> like it was just weird, and so you know. There's a couple of things that are in the Bible, a couple of things that to me were really telling me were really like giving me information. Like when he said to uh, Jonathan, you're just like your mother, a sinner, da, da, da. like what was his mother's story? We don't know because women weren't respected and their stories weren't recorded. His mother might've been a lesbian. His mother might've been bisexual. Like, and maybe that's what he was saying. And then he also said um, uh, to David, finally, I figured out how I can make you my son-in-law. What does he mean by finally? What was the problem? He couldn't do it with Jonathan, so he gives him his daughter. 
who, you know, the lineages are pretty young at this point. I kind of feel like the daughter probably looked a lot like Jonathan. Like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> I could just picture them both, like, looking exactly alike with long blonde hair or something, and then being like, okay. Fraternal twins. Yeah, maybe, maybe I can do this, you know? But he kept sneaking out of, the daughter's name was Mikel, and he kept sneaking out of Mikel's window and, and going on hanging out with Jonathan until he got caught. Like, and so they get together and they give covenants of love, okay? And this is the thing that's really going to blow everybody's mind, but they give covenants of love. Not one, not two. How many, Azzy? Three. Three beautiful covenants of love that they give in front of the Lord to each other. And every single time that anyone has ever heard something from the Bible being read at a wedding, a heterosexual wedding, it has either been the covenant between David and Jonathan or the, cov- the covenant of love between Ruth and Naomi. Mm-hmm. really yeah it's been between two men or two women anytime stop you've ever it. been to a wedding i know stop it audio cut out again <laughs> you get too excited <laughs> <laughs> so it's so bizarre right and so like uh it keeps going on and on and on and the story is so great you must listen to the whole episode of yash jesus about it it's our fa- first big bible story where we, we really break it down in a stony way, and it's so fun. But ultimately, at the end of it, they know that uh, David is going to be killed if he sticks around. So, he's so, so they have a covenant to each other where they say, and this is one of the ones you hear at a wedding, but they're, you know, he, they basically say, we can't be together, but our children, will, we will be connected by our children's love of the Lord. Under the Lord, we are connected forever through our lineage. And it's just such a beautiful testament of love. Like, there's no other weddings in the Bible. We do know that there is the wedding uh, where Jesus turns the water into wine, but we don't see the wedding. We don't go there. We just know we're at the party. And so this is like the closest thing that we get to a bond between two people, except for also Ruth and Naomi. And uh, later on, by the way, Jonathan dies. Um, he, if, if David can't get hurt sent to war, Saul sends his own son to war who gets killed. In, 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 and, and then David gives this beautiful, beautiful uh, covenant um, to God about how his love was greater than that of a woman. I don't understand how this is not told to everybody. It's when I, you know, I heard the story told at my cousin's wedding and the priest told it as if it was between him and the best man. And, you know, about like, you know, our, under the Lord, our kids will always have the Lord and that's how we're bonded. And, but they never say that love is greater than a woman part. Like I was like, wait, what? And I don't want to ruin anything, spoiler alert, but he takes off his loincloth, they kiss on the mouth, they like hug each other, they're laying together, they're crying together. It's gay AF. Count me in. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting turned on anyway. (laughs) But Ruth and Naomi, just a little short thing on that, because that's the other covenant of love. Um, uh, Naomi was the mother of uh, Ruth's wife, uh, Ruth's husband, and Ruth's husband and her children were killed. And so she was a widower with her mother-in-law and they were together for years and they had a special bond and Ruth was a pagan and Naomi was Jewish. And she said, uh, listen, you know, they were going to kill everybody. And she's like, look, I'm praying to my God. So my God's going to take care of me. You should go to your gods and have your gods help you. And she said, no, your God is my God. Where you go, I go. And we've heard that, especially when a Jewish woman converts and, um, or, or man, especially a woman, but when a man or woman converts, to Judaism for marriage, they always say this uh, at the wedding about Ruth's declaration of love and covenant of love to Naomi before God when she converts and says, I will be with you no matter what. 
And the story, they, they're so close and they stay together for so long that Ruth ends up marrying Naomi, her mother-in-law's elderly uncle. And this whole thing where, she, where he, uh, she uncovers his feet, which we've discovered feet means penises in the Bible. So perhaps she actually like gave him a blowjob or whatever. But ultimately, like it could have been the first example of sex work. For the mm -hmm. love of the family, she did what she had to do to keep the family together. And Naomi's um, honor is restored in the community after she marries um, him. So it's kind of like these perspectives, these stories, like I get it if that doesn't mean anything when my Nana reads it to her, but it means a lot to me. And a lot of these people that feel lost, a lot of the people that the church have thrown into the gutter, like a lot of the people who have been pushed to the wayside need to hear these perspectives. And if you're listening, I know you're here for that same reason. Like you want to, you want those perspectives. You're hungry for those perspectives and they are in there. You just have to find them. It is, you know, it's, it's, it's how you look at it. Yeah. Oh, you're really blowing my mind and rocking my world and making me pissed off at the same time because well, I'm not a scholar. Not I'm not a scholar. I'm not a theologian. I'm a comedian, you know, who loves Christ. And like, I, I found this stuff, like you trying to tell me that these, these tons of scholars and seminary students and theologians and stuff haven't discovered this before. Well, here's the thing. This is what happens when you exclude the queer perspective. When you exclude the queer voice from the room, because we had to erase ourselves or make ourselves something other than we are, and and then only these all these other straight cisgender voices and perspectives are heard, especially when theology is being formed and scripture is being interpreted. You know, one of the stories that we cover um, is about the how the word homosexual ended up in the Bible when the RSV translation came about in 1946. And there was a letter written to the translation team by a gay man, a gay pastor, who said this is a gross mistranslation, and this is going to be, be used as a weapon against a group of people. And that's exactly what we saw happen. Um, and the translation team, you know, knew when they received the letter, they acknowledged that it was a, the wrong translation, but it was already put to print. And it was already starting to be replicated in other translations. And then we see the rise of the moral majority in the 70s and the 80s and, and, the tar and, and how scripture, as my friend Kathy Baldock puts it, was twisted and used as a sacred weapon and, and targeted LGBTQ people. We see in statements like when Jerry Falwell blamed 9-11 on the LGBTQ community, mm. you know? Mm. Um, so, so that's what happens when you exclude the queer voice and the queer perspective. And that's why we deserve to be at the table so we can offer you and, and tell you how the scripture is, is reflecting to us and the healing work that it does in our lives. Because our healing work that the scripture provides to us is also just as valid. So. Mm. Beautiful. You know, there's another story that also is, it's a small one, but it's after Jesus, Paul um, is talking to a eunuch. And this might work for intersex people. This might work for trans folks. This, this just might work for anybody who feels different and alienated. But um, uh, Paul was witnessing uh, Christ to the eunuch. And the eunuch at the time were castrated because they were really close up to the queen. And they, were, they didn't want him ever to accidentally sleep with the queen and maybe take over the kingdom with a, with a child heir or something. And often after that, they weren't allowed to vote. They were marginalized. They weren't allowed to vote. They weren't allowed to they have a say. They were the butt of every joke. You know, and the eunuch says to Paul, is there any reason while your, while your God Christ won't allow me to be baptized in that lake right over there? And he says, no. And he goes and baptizes him. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. So it's okay for Paul to baptize somebody, um, you know, who who had some gender issue, but that's something that's just not discussed. These are tools. These are tools that are left in this text for us that could be used to reach those people that are being ignored by um, a no other word for it, evil rhetoric. Yeah, absolutely. And this is why the church is dying. Like, and that's, that's not just a sassy thing. That's statistically true. And it is because they're kicking out all the marginalized voices. And then also all the allies. I'm an ally. I don't want to be any part of that anymore, obviously, because it's, it's not only damaging, but it's deadly. And we know that to be true as well. It's, it's going to take allies like you, honestly. It, like, yeah. it, it's going to take uh, allies like you, Brenda, to be able to say, you can't have my money anymore. Oh, no. And yeah. that's when stuff is going to matter. Because they will, you know, put us on a brochure. They will uh, have let, let two gay guys hold hands in the front pew. They will um, let somebody do something simple, like hand out the lemonade at fellowship but they're not going to let us rise to rules of leadership. They're not going to let us uh, be, um, uh, you know, let our kids go to the schools. They're not going to let us, they're not going to protect us. What about in the event of a domestic dispute, uh, like on someplace uh, like a, uh, you know, Christian or Catholic university and Mm -hmm. they want to call the cops and then they tell the administration what happened and the victim ends up getting expelled and losing all their credits. Like what, like what happens when situations like that happen? You know, and so people are living in abusive relationships. They're living in places of fear. They're living in places where they can't they can't gain protections from the very God that they that 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 they, that they seek that from. And then their parents alienate them. I mean, it's really I mean, it causes so many sides, so much depression, so much conflict in relationships, in family relationships, in love relationships. And honestly, God is love. Mm. Amen. Amen. I know I have to let you both go. I want to respect your time, but I'd love to end with both of you telling me how you see the divine. I know that you are obviously, it's still pressing in fully and earnestly to your relationship with divinity. And, you know, I would still love to know the journey that you've all been on, but I will press harder into the Yes Jesus podcast to get that information. (laughs) So yeah, if you could just give a statement of, of your faith, where you are today, how you see divinity and leave us on that. I, you know, we, it says we're in, it says in the Bible, we're made in God's image. I do think God is, like looks human in, in some form. I don't know in what form. Um, I don't, what I love that I've learned working on Yash Jesus is that he is a capital he, and it is its own pronoun uh, away from the he, she that we use to donate male and female, that a capital he is a pronoun that is exclusively used for just God. And I feel that, like I feel that energy. I think God transcends gender. Mm -hmm. And I really feel like um, there's going to be a big wake up call for a lot of people. Um, I think God is jealous. I think that when people are like, uh, oh, please, God, don't let me get a ticket. And then you know, they don't get the ticket and they're like, I have such great karma. That's like, bitch, karma. I'm the one that did that for you. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I, I do feel like uh, God likes to have the glory for your story. And, 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 and you know, like, like Jesus said, give, give, give Caesar what Caesar's due. Give God what God is due. Give Christ what Christ is due. And the Holy Spirit, who, you know, I've just really been learning a lot about the Holy Spirit and how um, when we ask God for something specific, if we forget anything, the Holy Spirit fills it in. The Holy Spirit is something that's within us that can help be a mediator between 
God and Jesus and help us really like and, and be with us all the time and be something that we can really lean on. And I feel like um, in a time of crises, uh, I know that I have that. And um, I see God as, as that. Mm, beautiful. And very traditional Christian views as well. <laughs> well, I know. I mean, I don't know much else than what I was taught, right? So, like, I'm, 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 I have a very open heart and a very open mind. And I'm not saying that my view might not change. I definitely see the Bible in a different way. I saw the Bible as something that wasn't for me all the way or something that had, like, you know, and now I'm seeing it in a whole different light. Um, learning so many new things uh, because I'm actually using it. And I think, it, you know, I mean, what could we say about a cookbook when we've never made any of the recipes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love it. How about you, Azariah? Um, I, I walked away from the church uh, probably around 2008 time, shortly after I came out, um, because there was too much pain there. And like so, like you, Brenda, and so many of your listeners, um, hearing certain songs, hearing certain language is kind of takes me back to that evangelical space. Um, but my bridge back into being in communion with God and experiencing the divine was uh, Buddhism and in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh and um, learning how to experience God in every moment, um, with every step, with every breath with touching the grass as you're walking by it, you know, and in your connection with people. Um, and, and that's how I feel and experience the divine is, is through the connection of others and through the connection of things. Um, that's why I love rollerblading. That's why I love going on hikes because that's my time to be really present and to feel and to experience and, um, and to say hello, you know, to God and that is all around us in every breath. Mm. Thank you both so much for sharing. This was so enlightening. I can't wait to research these stories more because you've truly blown my mind. <laughs> Will you tell everybody where they can find you online? Uh, yeah, you can find me anywhere uh, at What's Up Danny. I'm everywhere online at What's Up Danny. Perfect. You got that unlocked. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> you can find me at Religious Trade because she's a hoe. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding. A holy hoe. A holy hoe. <laughs> Save, redeem, sanctify, set apart. All right. Perfect. Well, we love you all so much. Thank you for being a part of this conversation. And hopefully we can revisit again soon. I love you both. Before we go, I just want to say you could also find us at Yash Jesus Pod or at yashjesuspod.com where you could leave your praise report, prayer request, yeah. or anything. Just leave us a little message. Thank you. Perfect. All right. We love you. Bye. Bye.